Hey guys, welcome back to Through Their Eyes. This is season two, and this is a podcast where we look at the world and the church through the eyes of those around us. And we've got a great summer season planned. Last year, we looked at preachers and asked preachers for different ideas about their their work and what was going on in the ministry. This year, we're looking at church leadership specifically. So I'm your host, Michael Clark. I'm your host, Caleb Rutherford. And we're glad that you're here. And we have a special guest for the first four episodes of this eight-episode arc that we do each summer, uh, Brother Tony Lawrence. Uh, Brother Lawrence has been working at the same congregation for almost 40 years. And anybody that is able to say that about their ministry has done something right and has done something well when it in regards to church leadership and working with elders and deacons. And that's what we're going to be talking about with him these four episodes, two episodes about elders, two episodes about deacons. But I don't want to take any more of his time. I'd like for him to introduce himself, tell us a little bit about himself, where he works, uh, what he maybe a passion or something that he's got. But Brother Tony, go ahead. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm the preacher at the Church of Christ at Bobby Branch in McMinnville, Tennessee. I've been here 37, almost 38 years now, and um, enjoy the work immensely. I've been very pleased with the opportunity that I've had here. Um, educated at Freed Hardeman, got a master's degree in Cookville. Um, enjoyed uh, the privilege of studying under such men as Brother Thomas Warren, um, Brother Tom Holland, some really great men, Brother William Woodson. Um, but also, I've uh, enjoyed working under some great elders uh, over those years. Really good man uh, that I've been privileged to work for. You say one uh, sort of passion I've got, I enjoy not only doing local work, but leading tours to the Bible lands. And uh, that's also something I've greatly enjoyed over the years and looking forward to another one maybe this coming December, January. That's that's awesome. Um, that is something that I have always wanted to do. And I know, Michael, I'm sure this is something that you yeah. would enjoy doing yeah. at some point is making our way over to the Bible lands to just just being in the same area um, where all of these things we read about in Scripture take place is just something that's just kind of hard to fathom, I guess, until you're actually there and doing it. Um, but what a blessing that is that, you know, that you've been able to travel and to experience that. And some, certainly that is something that uh, I think every, every person should try to do. Uh, I think it puts perhaps it puts it in a little bit of a different perspective when you're actually there um, standing and looking at it. So certainly that is uh, something something that that's amazing to be able to do. We're, we're talking about in this particular episode, this first episode as we kick off uh, our summer series here, talking about church leadership, we're talking about this idea of eldership uh, and, and specifically working well with our eldership, working well with elders. And I think that this can even go you know, beyond just even talking about this from the perspective of a preacher and an eldership, but really just in general, just a member um, being able to work well within the congregation and work well under the oversight of the eldership. Tony, let me ask you this as we kick this off. Why is this even important? Why is it such a, a topic that should be dis- that should be discussed um, when it comes to this idea of being able to work well with, with the eldership that oversees us? I think, first of all, it's because it's the Lord's plan. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he said he gave him, himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Uh, the having of elders was God's plan. And uh, if we're going to be what God wants us to be, we're going to have to respect his plan. And he designed elders to uh, watch out for our souls and, uh, make sure that if we are doing what we ought to do, then 
Um, the church will grow, will grow spiritually. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 17 tells us to obey them, be submissive to them so that uh, they can give an account in a good way. So I, I really believe that uh, the main emphasis in the beginning is to realize that if we're going to be what God wants us to be, we've got to respect the uh, concept of an eldership and uh, then to try to make sure there's good men serving there and then uh, do everything within our power to try to help them do their job well. Certainly. I think, you know, you look at, um, you look at your scriptures, like you mentioned, there's a specific design and plan for the Lord's church. Um, and that is for an eldership to oversee it. Um, and for the members, uh, to submit to that authority, um, that is given, uh, by God to that eldership. And I think you see many problems and issues begin to arise when you have members, um, deacons, preachers, whoever it might be. Um, and even, even, I guess, within the eldership too, when they try to, I guess, buck against that authority, that God given authority, um, and they try to take matters into their own hands and they don't want to submit to that authority. And I think that, that that's a big problem we see in the Lord's church. Um, and just in general, just with the idea of authority, people don't want to submit, you know, to authority in our, in our, our day and age. Yeah. You think about it. I mean, a boss has a right to tell me what to do because he can fire me. What can an elder really do? You know, and that, I think that's unfortunately the, the problem that we face in the church is that's the mentality that many people begin to have is, well, you're not my boss. God said he is, and God said they are. And so when an eldership stands up and says, we're, we're moving our service times from 9 a.m., 10 a.m., and 11 a.m. to, you know, 2, 3, and 4 p.m., that's their call to make. Now, if an eldership is obviously doing some things, you know, without the expediency and without the understanding and the actual biblical authority, then that's another problem. And we'll get to that. And we'll talk about that in some of the some of our discussions with Brother Lawrence here. But I think the problem that we face the most is we forget to remind ourselves that God calls the work of the church just that, work. And in any type of job, there's a hierarchy. There's a boss, there's a CEO, there's somebody that's the head of the company. We know Jesus is the head of the church, but Jesus has a right to put into positions of authority whom he has desired. And as Brother Tony mentioned, he decided to make elders a a big part of that role. And in fact, it was a command for Timothy, for Titus, for many people to go into every city and establish these these men to be elders where they were able to be done because it was God's plan, still is, for elderships to be in every congregation. But when you work with an eldership as a preacher, and I've got two questions for you, Brother Tony. The, the first is not what's written on the, the piece of paper we gave you, but I would like to know over 37 years, how many eldership uh, turnover, if you will, maybe somebody has stepped down or whatever, how many elders you've worked with at Bybee? But also the question that needs to be answered from what we decided to ask you was, what can cause the work to sour and fizzle? Now, it hasn't happened for you. You're still there over 37 years now. But what, what are some things that you've seen over the years that do cause works to sour and fizzle? Okay. First of all, um, my guess, and I, I didn't count, but I believe it's around 20 different men have served as wow. elders during the time I've been here. Most of the ones who hired me have already passed on, mm -hmm. obviously due to the age uh, sure. and uh, served under some really great men. And um, But none of the elders that hired me are still here. 
uh, serving. So, um, you know, things have changed and it does change with the personalities of those who are involved. Uh, some elderships, just like some preachers, work together better and some, you know, have more difficulty working among themselves. And uh, it's been my observation that uh, after a period of years, they began to gel together as a group. Uh, usually it's a little struggle when you have a new one appointed uh, to get to the point where they all work together as a whole. Um, but that following up with the question, when you ask, you know, what causes a work to sour or fizzle? Um, I've not had that. I do know there are some brethren who've had some uh, works that is soured. Uh, I've tried to prevent, I believe prevention is the way to um uh, deal with it is try to not have the problem arise to start with. But uh, I like the old phrase, there's a scripture for that. You know, we've heard the old <laughs> phrase, there's an app for that. Right. Um, in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, he says, catch the little foxes, the, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Uh, obviously talking about marriage, that there are little things that can spoil a marriage, it doesn't take, you know, it's usually not one big blow up. It's usually a, a combination of little small things that uh, create conflict within a marriage. And I would suggest it's the same thing is true with regards to works that sour or fizzle is because you've let a lot of little things not be addressed and not be dealt with. And sometimes by themselves, it may not appear to be that significant, but if it just goes on and on and on and people don't address them, then there's going to be difficulties arise. Um, the other thing that I've observed, and this is primarily because of having friends who've had difficulty in other works, is that many times egos get involved. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, it may be that the preacher feels that he is in a better position to know how to handle a matter than the elders are. And sometimes it's how the elders view the preacher. Um, some elders view preachers as meddlesome. They look at it as, as difficult and even sometimes entitled. And then sometimes preachers look at elders as a frustration, as an impediment to progress or out of touch. Um, I suggest to you that maybe the, the most difficult thing that sours relationships is when people start to not look at the other as they should. And, uh, you know, my view is the elders have their role, their job, and I work under that direction. Um, and I don't need to try to do their job for them, uh, which I think that's probably where uh, many people get in trouble. Again, there's another uh, scripture for that. Proverbs 26, 17 says, he who passes by and meddles with a quarrel not his own is like a man who takes a dog by the ears. And uh, you grab a dog by the ears, you're going to get bit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you start trying to take the elders' uh, work and you start trying to handle it yourself, uh, then usually you're going to find yourself getting in trouble. Sure.
Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you mentioned, you know, you mentioned talking about egos and I can't help but think that to be certainly be one of the, I think, biggest issues um, that makes the work difficult because like you said, you have too many individuals trying to be, uh, I've heard it said this way. There's too many, um, there's too many chiefs um, in, in the village, you know, too many people try to be uh, the one person in charge to make all the decisions. But uh, like you, like you mentioned, it's, we're, we're all simply just Christians trying to do uh, the will of God. And yeah, I think about Luke 17 and verse 10, um, we're simply all unprofitable servants doing what was our duty to do. Our duty mm-hmm. is to carry out the will of God, to work together and to be unified within the walls of his church. Um, and certainly if we strive for that, um, that takes care of a lot of issues uh, that we see arise in the church. Now, again, that's not to say that there won't be uh, difficulties or arguments or different differences of opinions because we're human. We all have, you know, we all see things different. Differently. Uh, but there's certainly a way to work through those things and to work those things out um, and to come to some kind of agreement um, to be able to allow the, the work of the church uh, to move on. So um, with that with that being said, when, you, when it comes to those, those relationships that sometimes sour and fizzle, oftentimes within that is this idea of having disagreements, whether it be in the eldership or among members or preacher, elder, however, however you see those disagreements. How do you deal with those kinds of things when it comes to the, the idea of disagreements? Well, um, again, I'm, I'm going to sort of step back and defer a little bit here is um, I have to look at who God placed in that position to address those issues. And a lot of times disagreements occur between the preacher and the elders, but sometimes it occurs between the elders and others. And, uh, you know, um, Acts 20, verse 28 says that the Holy Spirit made them overseers to shepherd the church of God. And part of that is my recognizing that that is their role to resolve some of these conflicts, not necessarily mine. And that's that's one of the hardest things I can tell you is to uh, step back and say, let them handle it. And then uh, second of all, I think the next thing is to is really to be humble um, and uh one of the things that I have observed over years, especially when disagreements arise, is there's usually a lack of understanding of the other side. And uh, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw scripture in all through this. Uh, uh, Proverbs eighteen seventeen says, "The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him." And you know, when disagreements comes up, there's often this conflict that people say, "I I really." think this is what he means or that's what he means. Um, and what generally happens is in that same context, Proverbs 18, he said, he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is a folly and a shame to him. Our problem is sometimes we talk about things, we get ourselves crossways before we really know what the matter is and uh, we've misjudged it. And I found out that if you usually will just talk things through particularly with the one that you've got the difficulty with, you'll find out it resolves itself much sooner. And one third proverb, Proverbs 25, 8 says, do not go hastily to court, for what will you do in the end when your neighbors put you to shame? I, I have found out the best thing for me personally is to step back and listen more than speak. And, um, when you do find disagreements, you might find that if you go to the proper source, you talk through it, you understand you're not going to be embarrassed at the end. 
and uh, disagreements often will arise, but you can do a lot of preliminary work to avoid having it blow up on you. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, and I think like like you said, there's going to be times where people disagree. Um, everybody has their opinion on a situation that arises. Sometimes the preacher may, like you said earlier in this episode, uh, they may think that they know how to handle what's going on a little bit better. Maybe it's their friend in the congregation, and they think, I can get through to them better. And then the elders say, well, we're going to meet with them. That's going to be a disagreement, and it's up to the preacher to determine how that disagreement will go. Because if he answers hastily, now you possibly are starting a fight with the eldership, which isn't a good look. And I think what we are talking about here is being able to list disagreement without fighting and quarreling. Uh, You know, all three of us have sat in elders meetings before where we may not have agreed with the decision that was made. And we may not have agreed with 100% of the discussion. And we voice our opinion. But when the eldership says, this is what's happening, so long as it's not sinful, it becomes my job to be a champion for them. And when we announce it to the congregation, I mean, if the, if the congregation said, we're getting rid of pews and we're going to seats, and the members are going to throw a fit about that. And I don't want to go to from pews to seats, but the elders make that decision. When it's announced from the pulpit that that's what's happening, and the members come up, and they're going to come to the preacher that shouldn't be that way, but a lot of times they'll come to the preacher, well, I don't like this. Well, the elders have made that decision, and I, I'm supporting their decision. It's their right to make it. And, you know, if you have an issue, you should go speak to them. A lot of times you can stop disagreements because of people coming to you and saying, well, I don't think this should happen. Well, you go talk to him. Uh, You know, you don't need to be talking to me about it. I don't have any authority. Go talk to the ones who do. And I find it interesting. Brother Mosier always told us that when he started a local work, someone would inevitably come in and say, I have an issue with our elders and what they've done. And he would open up this binder with a blank piece of paper in there. And he said, look, if you'd write your name down and your complaint and what elder it is that you have an issue with, I'll gladly take it to them. No one would ever want to sign because they didn't want to put their name to paper. And a lot of times people just, they talk to talk, they quarrel to quarrel, and disagreements can come when an eldership is not respected by the preacher. Uh, it, It is my job as a gospel preacher to stand in the pulpit and revere them and tell the congregation to do the same and to make sure that they know where I stand on respect for them and that the congregation knows I respect them, so should you. doesn't mean I always agree with them, but I respect their decision, and God gave them the right to make the decision. And as soon as the decision is made, now everybody, even the elder in the room that may not have agreed with the majority vote, that elder even steps in line and says, I've got your back. All this backbiting that can take place where one elder didn't agree with the decision that three others said yes to, and then he goes around telling everybody, well, it wasn't my yes. I didn't vote this. That's how disagreements get bred, and we don't want that. And that's definitely not something that we need to see. Yeah, I think that's where you see a lot of those problems when you have the because people look to the minister, and we're going to talk about this in just a second, but a lot of people look to the minister, to the preacher, um, whenever they have 
I, I guess whenever they, a lot of times whenever they have an issue or, or a problem or anything with anything, they go to the preacher. Um, and a lot of times, like you said, Michael, a problem or a disagreement can be squashed um, right then and there when the preacher shows his support for his eldership. But, but far too often, I feel that preachers start, you know, we might call the gossip train and they begin to talk about the eldership and talk about this and that about them, about what they don't like. Um, and then you begin to, you know, I, I guess it's the snowball effect and one thing leads to another and you've caused this some kind of division among the Lord's church over the eldership. And it started with a, a, a preacher not willing to stand up and to back the men um, who lead that congregation. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that my observation has been is that a preacher can either be a part of the solution or he can be a part of the problem. And if he's part of the solution, uh, he's going to try to work toward, uh, as you mentioned, Brother Mosier. Um, and I think the solution he had was true, is that uh, if you've got a problem, it needs to be taken to those who have the ability to correct it. Right. And uh of course, the problem is, is generally they'll try to uh, make it one personality versus the whole eldership. And I think that's uh, when an eldership comes out and makes a decision, they all ought to be in harmony with one another on it. And uh, the preacher ought to be in harmony with it as well. And uh, because that's where the authority is at, is in the eldership rather than into any, any individual. Right. And if everybody goes... If there's four elders and two ministers, let's say, in a congregation, if that's what we would call an average church that has elders and preachers, if a decision is made and that little negative Nellie wants to come over and talk to somebody about it, and so she goes to her preacher and he says, I agree with the elders, talk to them. She goes to the associate minister, I agree with the elders, talk to them. She goes to her favorite elder, hey, this was a decision that we made, I'm standing behind it. And then she, if she goes all the way through and all six of them say, we agree with the decision that was made, we're supporting it, who's she going to go talk to then? Because the people that can actually do anything about it are all united and in agreement. And you mentioned something that's very important as we think about this, closing this question out. If a preacher is going to be part of the problem, the elders are going to make that problem go away pretty quick because they have a right to say, hey, if you're causing issues for us, why don't you go find an eldership that you can work well with instead of trying to be here where you're clearly not doing anything good for you and we're not having anything good for us. And so you got to be careful because, especially as a gospel preacher, I guess the, the point to make, you are expendable. You are not, you know, uh, somebody that is just guaranteed to stay in that position. And if you're causing problems, an eldership has every right to say, we appreciate you for your service. and you need to look for a new place to work. But when we think about the other end of that spectrum, not all elderships are equal. And unfortunately, there are elderships throughout the country, throughout the world, stands to reason. The law of average says for every great eldership, there's also an eldership that's lackadaisical, uh, doesn't necessarily do the work with the same intensity and desire. Maybe they don't have the same mindset uh, with financial funds or anything. And so they just don't seem to be invested. And I hope I hope you knew when we were asked this question of you, we don't think that you've had a lot of experience with this <laughs> uh, by any means. But we thought we'd ask you, and I think this also comes with a second question too, um, of how to handle it if a preacher 
is fulfilling the role of an elder. And so can you handle the first question of how do we deal with a lackadaisical eldership? And then maybe as we close this episode out, give some thoughts on preachers holding that role and what are some wise ways to do that and maybe some unwise ways to consider that that role and description as well. Okay. Uh, let me talk about the, um, the concept of a lackadaisical eldership. Uh, I got to say, when I read the question, I, I sort of chuckled a little bit, and I'll tell you <laughs> why. Um, I used to know everything. Uh, y'all may not know that, but I, at one point of time, I used to know everything. I thought <laughs> solutions were real quick. They were real easy, real simple. Um, I remember a situation when I was a teenager. We had a gentleman in the congregation uh, where I grew up. My grandfather was an elder, and uh, the man was creating some conflict. And uh, I told my grandfather, I said, why don't you just withdraw from him? Just get rid of him. I mean, you know, uh, whack it off. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, he looked at me and his comment was some problems won't be solved until some graves are dug. And uh, I thought, well, I didn't like that answer, but let me tell you what I have learned through the years. And that is, is that uh, the Lord's parable of Matthew 13, verses 28 and 29, where he talks about the parable of the wheat and the tares and emphasizes not pulling the tares, because if you do, you'll end up removing some of the wheat. Uh, sometimes an eldership appears to be moving way too slow. Uh, sometimes they appear to not be as invested as we think they are. And uh, part of is the perception problem is they may actually be moving slow on purpose. Uh, they may be saying, okay, we see a bigger picture. Uh, and that's the reason why I say that when I was young, I knew it all. Now I look and I can see there's so many dynamics that go into a decision uh, made by the elders of how it would be received by the membership uh, is it the most uh, expedient thing to do? Uh, do they have other areas which they feel in their judgment should be uh, of a higher priority? Uh, those are things that I can just tell you. Now I got toward the point I'm a little more deferential toward the eldership and their decisions on issues like that because they may know some things I don't know. And uh, so um, I Again, I'm not trying to criticize the question. I'm just trying to tell you that my perception has changed a little bit from what it was. But now what happens if you have an eldership that uh, is not being what they ought to be? Um, again, I'm going to use, there's a scripture for that. Um, Ezekiel 34, talking about the shepherds. Uh, verse 4, he says, The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. Um, he was criticizing that elder, that group of shepherds in that Old Testament passage, primarily because they were focused on themselves rather than being focused on the flock. And are there um, elderships, shepherds who are focused on you know, internal versus trying to do the Lord's will. I'm certain there are, but um, how do you change that? Well, you can't do it by intimidation. You can't do it by threats. You can't do it by the only way I found out to change people's minds is by teaching. Yeah. 
and you have to inspire, to encourage, to exhort, and you do so like dealing with a father rather than you would maybe a peer, giving deference to the eldership's role. And uh, if you do so with respect, I think you can uh, make some accomplishment there. You mentioned something that I thought was really interesting, too. Sometimes elderships seem like they're going about it very slow and that they're not really doing their job, but really they're they're probably the best word there is methodical, and they're making sure that what they're doing is the right call. Uh, a lot of times that'll happen with an eldership searching for a minister. Uh, sometimes the congregation can wait up to a year. Uh, I've heard of that happening before, but the person that gets hired ends up being the greatest fit. And the eldership really knew what they were doing there. And sometimes on the other end of the spectrum there, an eldership may just kind of say, well, we'll get to it when we get to it, and we'll figure it out when we figure it out. And then the church suffers because there is no plan. There is no, you know, moving forward. But kind of giving the benefit of the doubt, like you mentioned, is really important. Um, I don't know what goes on in all the meetings that happen at Forest Hill where I now attend as a member. I didn't know even all of the things that happened at Somerville when I worked there because what would happen is we would have our meeting with the elders, we would leave, and the elders would remain and meet about things that the preachers didn't need to know about or maybe shouldn't know about at that moment. And so the countless hours of meeting that take place between an eldership of things that if you're not a minister, if you're not a deacon, you'll never know. I think that should give the benefit of the doubt to an eldership unless we see this pattern kind of you mentioning, (coughs) excuse me, where we see a problem continuing over and over again. And then maybe at that point there is something to to be done. But I think what you mentioned, treating it more like a father and not a peer, that's important. We need to give teaching. Elders can only be as good as they're taught and as good as they're willing to be taught. And so if we won't allow for that, we're never going to see change because we're always going to be calling people out instead of giving them a chance to grow. Real quickly, that one last question you ask, what to do when the preacher fulfills the role of an elder? Uh, I have known several good men who served as preachers and also as elders. Uh, I think it's uh, great if a congregation has enough men where the preacher doesn't have to serve in that role. Um, because the old phrase is a jack of all trades is a master of none. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to do too much, then you may not be doing a good job at the role that you have. And if you're trying to serve in the role of an elder and the preacher at the same time, you may find yourself being stretched far too thin and doing a good job at what you're supposed to be doing. But I do know there are several congregations that the preacher does serve as an elder and does a good job of it. Um, and uh, but I do think there's uh, an easy tendency on the part she mentioned earlier. A lot of times, if people are unhappy with things, they'll go to the preacher to complain about what the elders are doing. And by the same token, if they don't, people don't like the preacher, they'll go to the elders and complain mm-hmm. about the preacher. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think the uh, when a preacher does serve as an elder, and there's a scriptural precedent, Peter did that in First Peter five one. But he has to see himself as part of the group and not distinct from it. And uh, so if he's going to do that, he's going to have to make sure that he understands the authority is in the group, not in the individual. Let me let me ask you this as we close. Um, And I've I've seen this many, many times uh, with with ministers where 
you have an eldership um, that they oversee the congregation. They they hold that title elder. Um, but the way that anything becomes accomplished is if the minister does it himself because the eldership has grown. Like, we, like, like we've talked about lackadaisical. What do you do as a minister in that position if the only way things get done is if you take initiative and do it? How do you handle a situation like that? Okay. Well, I've always been in a position with the congregations where, with which I have worked that I've had good elders. And so it's, uh, you know, from my experience, I, you know, I try to always step back and let them make the decisions. Right. But at the same time, um, you know, I may go and say, for instance, one of the things that um, I love that we do, we do an autumn street fair every year. Um, we have about 30,000 people come downtown McMinnville and I approach the elders about us having a booth. And, uh, I asked if, you know, if I could work with this and, uh, get it started, we did. And now we've been doing it for many years. Um, after two or three years, the elders gave that job to one of the deacons to work with it, but I still go work there every mm-hmm. time. Sure. And, uh, so, um, uh, one of the things you can do is make a proposal to the elders of something to do, get their approval on it, and then to, uh, you know, go about that task. That's the way I would approach it is anything you do is go to them and say, I'm willing to do the grunt work. You know, all I need is your approval to know that this is something that is good for the congregation, uh, represents us well. And uh, then, you know, if I'm given that, then, you know, to do it. But um, I, I just think the um, approach of trying to do it yourself, uh, the old get forgiveness rather than permission, mm, yeah. uh, is already doomed from the very beginning. Sure. Absolutely. Well, you said one thing before we close that I, I wanted to just touch on because I thought it was interesting. I think as a preacher, the phrase we dread hearing the most is, well, people are saying uh because we wish people would just come talk to us mm-hmm. but as preachers when someone comes to us and says something negative about the elders well people are saying about this people are saying that that's a good moment if your elders are struggling with maybe telling you who's talking about you that's a good moment to say come with me and just take them right to the elders and say would you repeat what you just told me I guarantee you they don't want to do it, but your elders will appreciate that because they know you've got their back and you're trying to give them the respect and authority and honor that the Bible commands us to give them. Uh, This isn't just a, hey, what do we do with older men in the congregation? Well, I guess we just put them in as elders. There's a reason God decided for older men to serve in this role, men who are not novices in the gospel, men who are not new in the faith, and it's because As Caleb and I have talked about several times over our time together in this network, there are so many people older than us, with more experience than us, that are wiser than us. Why shouldn't we call and ask for their advice? And that's the same mentality with an eldership. And I think if churches could start to really grasp the blessing that an eldership is supposed to be, we probably wouldn't have problems in the churches that don't deserve to have problems. If an eldership's not doing their job, then you deserve to have problems. That's what's going to happen. And if you're not doing your job right as an eldership, only problems can come from that. But when a congregation steps back 20 years from today and looks at what was being done and the men that were serving, I would hate for them to look back and think, man, we were so blessed back then and we didn't know it. 
honor your elders, respect them, talk them up to people. If you hear somebody say a negative thing about them, don't let that stand. You take that and you squash it before it becomes a huge issue. Absolutely. I think, you know, these men that you as a minister are working with and for um, are, you know, they should, you should have some of the closest relationships with them um, because you're working hand in hand um, to accomplish the good of of the church and and of of the work of the Lord. So I think building those relationships as we're going to get into in just a moment for, um, or I say just a moment, it'll be a week for you all as you're listening to it. Um, Mm -hmm. As we talk about building those relationships, but I think this has been a very productive uh, first episode, a great way to kick off um, our summer season as we talk about church leadership, talking about working well with our elders. And certainly, though, I guess this does pertain specifically for uh, preachers of the gospel. Um, certainly this, there are lessons that can be pulled from this application that we can pulled from this, uh, just as, and as a member, um, uh, of the Lord's church, um, and how you go about doing your business, how you go about submitting to them and being able to work well with them. Certainly that is something that, uh, um, that, that I think should, should be taken from this, but, uh, Tony, thank you so much for taking some time, uh, to do this particular episode. We're looking forward to doing a couple more with you. Okay. Um, Michael, do you have anything as we close uh, this particular episode? No, just tune in next week. Next week, we kick off um, our Did That Really Happen podcast this Thursday. We're grateful to have uh, different guests on that as we talk about um, perhaps some of the more um, lighthearted side of ministry and other things such as that. Um, But until next week, uh, episode two, again with Tony Lawrence, as we continue to talk about eldership, we're grateful that you're with us. Please continue to uh, find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram. You can find it on our website, scatteredabroad.org. Also, don't forget to go to all of our podcast platforms, wherever you listen, find any of our podcasts there. Again, we're grateful for your support. Please continue to, to listen. Please continue to share. And until next week, thank you so much and God bless. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.